Ladies and gentlemen, whoever's actually listening, welcome back to Not Just a Phase. Today we're keeping it a little local. Local? Ah, fuck. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Not Just a Phase. Today we're keeping it local. We're talking to a band cohesion from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. That's about an hour outside of where I'm at. And uh, yeah, they fucking rip. How are you guys doing today? Good, man. How are you? I'm sweaty. that so uh for the listeners could you guys please state your name and what role it is you play in the band yeah my name's kyle and i sing in cohesion uh my name is alex i play drums in cohesion my name is peter i play guitar and token straight edge member (laughs) (laughs) so kyle you said you're the singer i i must have listened to a completely different ep i didn't hear any singing on there (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I know. Some people would say it's not singing, but I just say it's like a style of singing. So, you know, you know how it is. Yeah, I definitely do. I'm just being a smart ass. It is definitely a style of singing. It's it's an intense, intense way of doing vocals. Uh, not everyone can do it. 
Some people like to make fun of screaming, but it is not as fucking easy as it sounds if you want it to sound good. Yeah, I hear that. I mean, I wish I could sing, but I can't, so I can scream and yell, so I do that. <laughs> Very different kind of talent to have. Did you guys by any chance check us out before agreeing to come on the show by any chance? Yes, uh, that's why I, I reached out, because I listened to the episode with Scott from Cancer Bats, the one you did with Phil, like the joint episode. Right. And then I listened to the I listened to a bit of the episode, uh, with, I think the singer of Hostage. Listen to a bit of that episode as well, um, and I'm like, "Cool, this guy, this guy knows his stuff." So I wouldn't mind coming on an episode if uh, he was into it. So it's cool. Cool, I appreciate that. Now, there's not a whole lot of stuff to know about you guys. Unfortunately, you haven't played any shows yet, as far as I know. Yeah, uh, we haven't played any shows yet because of the whole lockdown, the whole COVID thing. Uh, but we already actually have a bunch booked for the fall and some for next year. Um, so we'll be able to post some of that soon. And obviously that's all COVID depending. Um, like if it's, for example, like right now you can play shows in Ontario, but you can't actually stand up during shows. You have to be seated and you have to be like, um, if you walk around, you have to wear a mask, which like, I'm cool with like that part of it, but it's the seated part that like, I kind of have like an issue with being like a hardcore, like high energy, like band. It, kind of would take away from our live performance if you have to be seated while you're watching us so as long as that gets lifted by the time our shows happen then we'll be good to go um we have a couple shows booked around ontario can't really say who with or where but uh yeah like i said we'll be able to announce that soon and we're all very soaked for that yeah you guys don't have the kind of music you can meditate to or, or even sit still to so that that would definitely be a bummer to have <laughs> no crowd participation I, I could imagine that would not be a fun fun way to debut the music because you guys haven't played anything live yet right no 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 live streams no shows nothing i i didn't even i don't know about the other guys but like i didn't even really want to do like a live stream as our debut because i think that would kind of take away from the purpose take away from the energy of a heavy show so i, I completely agree and uh when you guys are first coming out I, i'll be happy to be there because you guys have the kind of music I, I it's just, it's going to hit different live. Like you can record heavy music and it sounds fucking heavy guys. It's great recording, but it's just not going to match how it's going to sound live vocally, instrumentally drums. Everything hits you in the face properly when you hear it live. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, yeah, we're trying to be, I think what our plan is when shows come back and everything's in full swing, we're kind of planning to be a live band, like a band that you want to see live because it's different from the record like different from just like listening to it on your phone or through at home, whatever, and just having like the actual experience and make that different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys definitely came across to me as a band. You would, you would want to see live cause it's just going to be a, a, a be the best way to hear it. The best way to experience it is going to be live and there in the moment. Right. I, I usually start off the show though, as you guys have heard, I usually like asking how you guys got your start. Like, do you recall how you first got into punk rock or any underground music genres? Yeah, I guess I'll go first. I'll give you a, give you the spiel. Um, so I played in a few bands prior to Cohesion, um, singing in a couple other hardcore bands, playing bass in like a pop punk band. And then um, I first started going to shows back in high school, um, went to a couple like metalcore shows in Toronto, went to like Warp Tour, did all that. Um, then I checked out the local scene. I, was, I grew up in Brampton. 
So I went to a couple shows there um, to get my start and kind of figure everything out. And it's cool that I could see these bands locally as well as just go down to Toronto pretty easily and just check out like the bigger bands. Just did that for a while and then realized I wanted to actually play in a band. So like I said, I played in a couple bands at the time. Um, and then I actually started booking shows in Brampton as well. And that's how I got like a lot of my involvement in the music scene as well. Oh, very cool. I didn't know you were uh, booking and promoting shows. Who have you put on? Just like local acts, I'm assuming? Uh, local acts and then a couple of like touring acts, like um, probably one of my coolest shows I did. I did, I booked Year of the Knife from Delaware, I booked them in Brampton. No shit. Uh, with like a stellar like local hardcore support, just like uh, Toronto and surrounding area bands. And I booked like Seaway, like Pacific before, Bearings, that sort of thing. And then the rest basically just like local acts or anything any bands that would swing through the area and I was able to pick up a date on. Well, color me impressed. I'm a huge poser. How the fuck did Year of the Knife come around and I didn't get to see that? That bums me out. Yeah, that was uh, like April 2018, I want to say, or 2019, actually, right before, the year before the pandemic. Uh, They were playing in Buffalo and then um, I just hit them up to see if they were down for an off-date show for a headliner. And uh, yeah, they came through and that was pretty awesome so that that must have been before their first um their first full-length album right yeah that was before their fir- they had um what was like two eps together yeah um on like kind of like a full length but not really like like their first full length came out like last year so like right before mm-hmm. that but yeah they were just i would say they were like already blowing up i think they were on pure yeah. noise at the time um but now they're like even more massive and just like killing it and with shows to come they'll just keep on killing it and grow larger and larger yeah debut album was insane and uh yourself alex how'd you get into the whole punk thing uh i mean when i first started playing music it was in high school um or i mean just even before that i got my first drum set when i was in grade school um my parents like to tell it a different way that I was like begging them for a drum set. But the way I remember it was that I'd already given up on playing guitar because, Oh, the strings hurt my fingers. I don't know how to play chords. And I was like, Hey, I bet you won't get me a drum set. And then they got me a drum set and I was like, okay, now I got to learn this thing. But that took off. I started playing like rush and Nirvana, all the stuff that you learn when you're like 12, 13. And then I um, got through high school to college, started getting more into more alternative music and, um went from there to playing in a bunch of bands around the london area and a band that i was in at the time uh that's how i met kyle because kyle was booking a lot of shows for us at the time and me and kyle have always sort of had that connection for the last several years at least um when the pandemic started last year um it was uh hey we've talked about it do you want to do a band thing and then all of a sudden we're writing all of a sudden we've got a whole bunch of demos written and then we're in the room and then um until you feel nothing sort of came from that um this is definitely the heaviest project that i've been a part of um just in terms of like my own musical ventures and i'm just stoked about it i'm stoked that i get to be in front of a bunch of people and just hit my drums real hard like an idiot like a caveman just just full-blown idiot music you know <laughs> it's my favorite kind of music as you can tell <laughs> absolutely what about yourself there, Peter? Do you remember how you got into this uh, punk thing? Um, yeah, kind of. I mean, when I was like really young, my like exposure to music, like most kids was probably like radio and TV and stuff. And then I remember like 
going to the public library and getting out CDs and then burning them on my computer and like copying music that way um, before like I had like good, decent internet. But um, going to shows, I think when I started high school, I like went to a different high school from everyone from my elementary school. So I had to get like new friends basically. <laughs> and the kids that I fell in with were like the weirdo art punk kids that like were into that shit. Like, vegetarianism and straight edge and metal and hardcore and emo and myspace and stuff um so the old days yeah exactly so got into like some like local hardcore shows started you know a little like first band in a friend's basement and um wasn't good enough to play guitar at the time so was the like screamer singer frontman guy which was kind of fun um and then eventually got better at guitar and some friends in a band called uplift asked me to play guitar when they needed a guitarist. Um, so that was really fun. That was kind of my first, I guess, like real band that like toured and, and um, like played shows and stuff like that and released music. Um, and then, yeah, I met Alex, uh, like in, he was playing in a band called certainty. I was playing in a band called pine um Kyle from like putting on shows I think you probably booked uplift at some point or I just like went to shows in Brampton because they were fire um and yeah and Colin I only met actually for starting this band which was really cool and he's such a sweetheart and I think about him all the time <laughs> where is our fourth today he's busy he works like really weird hours and uh either is working or trying to like recover and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. I got to be up at 5 a.m. today. So I'm probably going to bed after this, to be honest, unfortunately. <laughs> Such is life, eh? Such so is life. You, you mentioned, Kyle, you're out in Brampton, right? You, are you still there? I grew up in Brampton. Uh, now I live in Toronto, actually, as of a few months ago. But yeah, my, most of my life was spent to Brampton. I went to Waterloo for school. So I was doing some band stuff there, actually prior to cohesion um as well as a bit of booking stuff there uh, but yeah most of my life in brampton and now just toronto you just felt like your rent wasn't expensive enough so you had to move to toronto or exactly <laughs> well i was living at home in brampton i'm like why live at home for free when i can pay an outrageous amount of money just to like live so you just to have, have less space freedom. yeah just to have less space because i'm in a condo lived at a house with my mom when i had so many floors and i just have this one floor Less of whatever less space, space I have. More yeah. It's great. Freedom. It's awesome. Being exactly. Involved, fucking rips. So uh, are you guys all in Toronto right now then? Um, so me and Alex live in Toronto. Uh, Peter lives in Scarborough and Colin lives in Hamilton. Okay. Okay. So Scarborough's not too far from Toronto. Hamilton's yeah. So like three out of four people are basically Toronto and then just Colin and Hamilton. But we just say we're from Toronto. It's easier. So I'm going to ask, even though I have a slight idea what the scene is like in your area, considering I'm only an hour away from you, but I am not a fucking authority or an expert on anything. So I, I got to ask you guys got some favorite local bands or what, what's it like in Toronto out there? Like, how's the, how's the scene? I know it's, it's dead right now because fucking no one can book anything, but you know, favorites out in the area that were going on when, when shit was active. Yeah, um, for sure. I'll, I'll drop a couple of bands and I guess we can go around the circle. Um, yeah, definitely Cold Shoulder, Deadly Game, uh, Single Wound or Sick, Rust, 
Um, and then there's like a bunch of new bands that are popping out um, that are going to be dropping albums soon that I'm really stoked for. Yeah, the one really, I mean, one benefit to take away from everyone having this time away from shows is that um, the the bad side of it is that I know that there are a lot of lot of projects that are that have sort of come to an end um, just because of like no shows, losing momentum and stuff like that. But the one thing to take away from this is that everyone has now had a year and a half to start that project that they've been wanting to really get off the ground, or excuse me, at least had an idea about that they wanted to get going. So yeah, there's a whole bunch of new bands on the way. Um, Reality denied, Deadly Game, same as Kyle said. Um, just it's it's a whole wealth of talent and there's even people that are like within our circle that have like two or three different projects across different genres that are about to put out music so as soon as shows are about to come back in full force and we see the light at the end of the tunnel then there's going to be a boom at least in the toronto scene like you won't be able to like go to a venue without there being a show that night uh, two questions for you alex before we get over to uh, peter there uh you, since you're a drummer you're in like seven bands right <laughs> uh that is, that is true yes uh that i mean i want to think of cohesion as a as my big boy band my uh my number one main project to go to but uh i i also work at a music store so i'm surrounded by musicians all the time and i do fill in gigs where requested um my my buddy evan who plays in a band called uh, egregious philbin which is a grindcore project has just asked Sorry. me to do a little bit of uh little bit of work for them just doing some fill-ins for some live stream stuff uh i play in a goth band on the side um there's a another hardcore band they're doing fill-in stuff for that hasn't been announced yet or anything like that this is so I asked. This is I, I asked. exactly i'm really i'm happy you asked because there's merit behind that question because i think every time you ask a drummer that the answer is always absolutely yeah and my i just like playing drums you know what do you got such a nice microphone for there like most people come on the show with just like fucking headphones what do you got this nice setup for oh well me and my girlfriend both have little recording stations in uh in our apartment um i'm on my imac right now there's a chair that you can kind of see in the corner and that's her recording station because she does audio post work from home so she has to have a nicer microphone set up um and then i've got my own here i just don't have my interface hooked up yet so i've loaned hers for uh for the duration of this uh this event um but like like this is where i was doing all the uh the midi drums and all the demos and everything for when we were like in the writing phase of cohesion so um i i have a background in recording from post-secondary um so i've got my own little workstation here you know got a real music dork on the show very nice there you go right yeah there's always got to be one <laughs> yeah there usually is yeah uh, and yourself peter uh, you got some favorites from the area yeah well uh my brother plays in cold shoulder so i i'd nice. be a shitty brother if i didn't <laughs> show them out um and you know the other bands the guys mentioned deadly game and so on uh rust uh really love uh die hex as well um they were one of the i think one of the last shows i went to before the pandemic started um was like in the like winter ish just before that kind of everything fell apart um, and they're just like super talented and creative and can't say enough good things about that band. Um, yeah. And as a guitarist, no other side projects, no one's calling me. We're a dime a dozen. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm at peace with it. <laughs> it's pretty, you know, one, one band's enough. These drummers are just fucking greedy. 
<laughs> but there, there's so much demand and there's just not enough supply that you got to be in seven projects minimum yeah <laughs> that's supply and uh, demand I'm, baby yeah i'm okay with it <laughs> so you guys rec- um wrote and recorded this whole thing during the pandemic uh how did how'd you guys go about that like were you like sending files across or were you all just kind of kept in each other's bubble for the writing or yeah, so I'll try to I'll try to explain the writing process of the record as best Please. as I can, and then we can go around to the other guys and see um, if they have any other thoughts on it. But so basically, how it started was I believe uh, it was me and Colin that were chatting about it to begin, like last spring, like at the very start of the pandemic, and I was just like, "Yo, like let's actually start writing for this. Let's uh, come up with some ideas." And uh, so Colin was just like messing around, coming up with some demos and he sent them over to me. I'm like, these are all so sick. Um, And he kept sending more and more. And I was like, okay, try to write them like this or like try to take this influence, maybe slow this down, speed that up. Just trying to put it, give a bit of input from my end. And we're just chatting over like Facebook and whatnot for that. And then eventually um, it got to the point where we involved, well, we were involving Alex and then we were also involving Peter and then everyone was kind of giving their input. We had Zoom sessions, um, put together some drums and some second guitars and some bass. And then eventually when it was safe to, we met up at our jam space and we were starting to jam in person and like really fleshing out the songs together. And something that's cool about this EP, although it's our first EP, it's not really something that was written like individually, although Colin came up with Um, kind of the initial thoughts of the songs and the initial start of the songs it was all kind of written as a cohesive group Um, so all the guitar bass drums vocal patterns um, lyrics all that stuff was written kind of together in the jam space which was super cool Um, yeah nice so you guys had like a basic shell of an idea when you went in and then obviously collaborating fine details working it out wrote it together as a band Exactly. Yeah, we were all putting our input in uh, in the jam space, and that's when we really could like flesh out all the ideas and kind of get that all together and get all the songs cohesive. Where's your guys' space at? You you paying to play somewhere? You you renting or? Yeah, Alex actually uh, has a room at Rehearsal Factory. Or yeah, he actually in uh, Toronto, so he just keeps his drums there. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them all over Ontario, but um, yeah, he. yeah, he has one like not too far from his place and not too far from my place. So it's super convenient. He just like keeps his drums there, rents a room and we just go jam whenever uh, the room has time. You can rent the whole room or? Yeah. Yeah. So right when um, the pandemic started, like I am a Toronto transplant from London and also from Windsor, like Windsor's my hometown. And I was in London for school. I was staying at like student houses when I was living there. So there was always a music house. We always had my drum set up there. Um, right when I had moved to Toronto, the band that I was playing in at the time, we were doing shows so often and touring so often that I was like, okay, so I don't need to have my kit set up anywhere. I always have it out when we're doing shows. I just need to like rent us an hourly room at RF just to jam on something to shake the rust off and then we go do shows. Then the pandemic happened and I was home for a I want to say three weeks to a month. Like, cause I mean, I had taken two months off in full 
because of when everything started. But it was after that first three weeks or a month where I was like, all right, I'm going absolutely crazy without playing drums. Um, like I've, I've got it. So I was, I messaged a bunch of friends, bunch of coworkers, be like, Hey, do you know anybody that has a room? And then I was able to lock in a sublet for like a really reasonable rate a month. So even when we're not practicing, I'm there every Monday night for about four or five hours, if not a little bit longer, just playing to my heart's content and just trying to write new material, go over the stuff that we have and trying to play that smoother. Um, and then, yeah, so th that is one of the things that we do in said room is that we'll just have our band practice in there. It's not a huge room, but it does fit all of us, which is, uh, yeah, it's a little cramped, but it sounds pretty good. I was going to ask the, the rehearsal factory in Hamilton. Have you been to it? Yeah. Yeah. I used to practice at that one. Yeah. Are they all the same sized rooms then? Um, so, not exactly. Um, the hourly like smaller ones and bigger ones. I've only been in the hourly ones. The hourly ones are a lot nicer. Um, and they're a lot better maintained. So when you pay for a monthly room there, it's essentially, here's the space, do whatever you want with it, but you're responsible of all the maintenance of, t of the cleaning of all of that. Oh, okay. um, yeah. So like when you would go into a regular RF room, you're gonna see like hardwood floors, they've got a nicely yeah. leveled up stage with risers on it, they've got a nice kit, they've got amps. Um, you walk into this room, there's shelving made of Home Depot 2x4s and um, <laughs> shitty wood screws just to hold up the two <laughs> or three other drum kits that are up on the wall of the other drummers that use that room. Um, and then because it's a multi-use room, somebody provides a backline kit. They're like, hey, this one is used by, for use by everybody. Um, I'm I'm too much of a princess to do that. So every Monday I'm like in the room, 45 minutes, set up the kit play for as long as I can, yeah, 45 to a half hour teardown. Just, just the, worst. the worst. Yeah, but I, <laughs> I, I, I treat this like and a... You got to wait a fucking hour and you put the hi-hat up, you put the hi-hat down. You're just the worst musicians. Well, see, the thing is that like I've spent so much time like every single week, 45 minutes to set up, 45 minutes to tear down. I've got it down pretty much to a science. And like that's why you got to put the memory locks on everything. Because like, I've got it from... 45. I've got that from 45 <laughs> down to a sharp 15. Oh, but... seriously? <laughs> Yeah, no, like, I brag about that when I'm at work. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, look at the size of my kit with all the extra sharing. I can get the whole thing set up in 15 minutes if I'm really pushing it. But then, of course, I'm taking my dear sweet time eating my dinner while I'm doing it. So that's still a good 45. <laughs> of course. Well, still, that's impressive for a drummer to set up a, a whole kit in 15. And shout out to Rehearsal Factory. Um, great place. When I jammed there, they had this nice couch in the room. And we couldn't leave our beer bottles out. And as soon as I saw this nice leather couch when I walked in, I was like, ah, I got to jump off happy about it, but don't put a fucking couch in the gym room, you know what I mean? It was, it was too nice.
Yeah. <laughs> just on the uh, whole, uh, like, starting the band, writing together thing, just one, like, funny thing for me. Like, when I started, uh, when I, like, joined or whatever, like, um, the guys sent me some demos, and I was like, oh, this is, like, really heavy. Like, what, like, tuning are you guys playing in? And the answer, drop B flat. I was like, what the fuck? I've never heard of that being a thing before. What strings? And then one of the guys sent me like these like guitar strings that I was like, that's not going to work. So I had to get like <laughs> way thicker strings than I was like used to, to like stay in that tuning and make it work. But now it's like working beautifully and I'm like super pumped about it. Which but uh, I had this moment of like, what the fuck am I getting into? Like, that's too low. <laughs> It's not gonna sound good, but it sounds great. So, which strings are you repping to keep that tuning? Uh, it's nothing fancy. Just like um, the the teal um, packet, not even slinkies from Ernie Ball. It's uh, okay. like twelve to fifty sixes, which is right. like, yeah, pretty heavy. I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember playing in B or A or something fucking stupid, and playing it on bass is just the worst. It's 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 so hard to keep tension. So, you need good yeah. strings for that kind of tuning. That's yeah, I was considering like getting a new guitar, but my my Telecaster is working out fine. So, you play a Telecaster for this stuff? Yeah, it's funny. We played like Colin and I play like not heavy guy heavy band guitars. Like I'm <laughs> playing a Tele, and yeah. Colin's playing like an Ibanez like art core. I think like a semi hollow, <laughs> um, which is sick. I th I love it, and it it works. It sounds good. <laughs> I, Ibanez makes a lot more sense than Telecaster for what you guys are, are playing. I didn't expect you to say you're playing a Tele. Well, like they're they're like shreddy stuff for sure, but like the the like semi hollow is like more like the like I don't know jazz blues kind of thing, but uh, yeah, it's like I don't know, it's super cool, and I like I love Colin's guitar too. It's sweet. <laughs> okay, so you guys haven't played any shows yet, but I usually like to ask like if you have a favorite show or tour memory as a band, but I guess since you guys haven't played live yet, I'm just gonna ask like what's been your favorite live experience musically that you've had personally or together perhaps that we've like played in previous bands or like shows we've attended or uh, bands bands you've seen bands you've played in fuck it favorite show memory in general what do you got what sticks out to you uh fuck it here's one off the top of my head uh tid the season in buffalo it's like every time yes. i die is christmas show yes i went two years in a row and like it was 2017 and 2018 and those shows were just nuts. Like every time I die, it's one of my favorite bands and seeing them in their hometown was just absolute insanity. Uh, one of the years like Turnstile, Knock Loose and Vane played. And that was just like, it was chaos. I was like right when Knock Loose was like getting big, I guess. Like right when they've like kind of reached the peak of being like one of the, like the bigger newer metalcore bands. So that was sick seeing them in Turnstile just like blew me away seeing them a couple times. But that show was just like, madness like 3000 cat venue or some shit um yeah nice. that's probably one of the best shows i've ever been to one of the best heavy shows every time i die is also one of my favorite live performances i've ever seen what about yourself there, yeah. alex something that stands out just off the top of the oh head? man there's there's so many um truly I, I, it's not a huge show but the first time i saw exult was a show that kyle booked and that was an absolutely dynamite <laughs> show that's one of the favorite heavy shows that i've uh, that i've been to the band i was in at the time was the opener of that show and then right after 
we played was it was either right after or right after us was a band called sedition when they were still a band and i'm i'm repping them right now um one one of the most chaotic local sets that i've ever seen um that was super dope i mean i've the thing about like the the band situation that I was in at the time is that I haven't been to a whole whole lot of shows in the last couple of years that I wasn't playing and none of them were like big by any means but like um I did a I opened for a mirror in 2018 um in London at Music Hall and that was also Counterparts and Varials were on that as well and that was a really really fun show um just like London really has an energy for especially that kind of realm of metalcore. So like people turned out for that show. That was a super, super dope one. Um, I, I did a couple tours in the States, like right before pandemic started, like that's like my first exposure to it. Um, nice. We played a bar in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Um, the absolute drunkest man I have ever seen in my life um fell on top of my symbol case with all of my symbols still inside of it um like his full body weight and i had just got that case for like the previous christmas and it was like an upgraded one that i bought for that exact reason and it just like it it wasn't even scratched like it, it, so it, it was up. like it it completely held up and then right when that show ended i walked outside and a couple people came up and started talking to us and I didn't know who it was, and I was like, "Are you guys from the scene?" And they went, "Oh yeah, we play in a band called One Step Closer." And oh. I, was, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" And my um, our bassist in that band was like a huge One Step Closer fan, so that was a really cool. Like, it's, it's, it's a really like, it was a weird thing to meet them because they're just like regular dudes. Like, I I didn't know what I hadn't seen anyone in that band, and we'd also actually played with them at Promcore on that tour earlier in that tour cycle um the sickest band on earth and just they're just they're just a couple skateboarders they're just guys that like would hang they hung outside the venue with us and just like we had uh, like a couple hot dogs and just skateboarded for a bit they're just cool dudes no shit musicians being regular people who would have thunk it (laughs) (laughs) what about you peter what do you got um yeah i mean one of my uh I don't know, like formative show experiences that just kind of blew my mind at a pretty young age, uh, like 2000, I want to say like 2005, um, saw Converge, Terror, and Mare at the Opera House in Toronto. And I was like, uh, I guess I would like early, mid high school. Um, and it was like one of the first like big, like heavy shows that I had gone to. And it was amazing. It was just like totally uh, like, wow, that's like, this is like the kind of thing that I want to go to every week for the rest of my life. You know, like it's like so just mind blowing. And I remember like when Converge started their set, there's like crowd of people like right in front of the stage. And it seemed like in a matter of seconds, somehow magically, that crowd of people was like doubled but like on top of that first crowd of people from like stage diving and shit (laughs) it's just like a hundred people or 200 people like in front and then 200 more people on top of those people i don't know how it was possible but that was what my like brain perceived (laughs) and it was just like yeah mind-blowing just utter insanity um and then yeah playing shows um 
there was this so like my old um hardcore band uplift the singer james and i just generally at a like a bunch of our shows used to like do this goofy thing where we would try to make each other laugh on stage by like it's hard without even a webcam working right now but like making stupid facial expressions and changing back and forth facial expressions really really fast like mid-song um really close to each other too and just generally uh, there were a lot of times in that band that i had a blast in and met so many great people yeah really fun times show memories uh bands you've seen bands you've played with all that good stuff uh if you guys could play with one band that you haven't played with who would it be and why okay just one uh, i saw that face just one <laughs> yeah yeah fair enough um does it have to be realistic or not absolutely not and what band would you kill to play with it does not have to be realistic if it's Alanis morissette fuck yeah go for it Okay, um, in that case, we're definitely playing with Slipknot. No questions uh, asked. R.I.P. Joey, eh? That happened True. today. Literally, like, I, I read that, I'm like, holy shit. That, like, bummed me out for the rest of the day. Yeah, every single heavy band, whether they know it or not, owes so much to Slipknot and their drummer specifically. Every single drummer, yeah, for yeah. sure, that plays heavy music, 100%. Yeah. Okay, so you, you'd want to play with Slipknot then, eh? Oh, absolutely. 
like even if we could like open a show with Slipknot or play Knot Fest specifically it would be tight. <laughs> Let's go real big with it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Me as well. If there's no okay, limitations, right. there is not. <laughs> what about uh, Peter? Who who you got? No limits. Who would you play with? Anybody if you could. I mean, you mentioned Alanis Morissette a minute ago, and I think that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> that would be so um, sick. No, would she open for you guys, or would you open for her? I think we'd be a great backing band, really. <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest answer. I didn't expect that. Sweet. Um, no, I, I mean, I would love to play with Converge. They're like still one of my favorite heavy bands. Um, Every time I die, like Kyle mentioned, um, tid the season, like that would be sick somehow. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll stick with that. <laughs> uh, you said it was just one, so I'll stick with Alanis Morissette. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you, Alex, who you got? I I got a couple like tiers of like who I've like thought like realistically stretch goal, stretchier goal, and then like top of the list. What's um, your goals? Nobody, nobody gives a shit when I say one, do they? All right, come on. <laughs> give, give me all three. I don't care. It's your episode. Um, it's your show. If it, if it was on like the, the tip-toppest echelon, I've, I got to be real. It would have to be Rush. I know we don't sound anything <laughs> like Rush, but Rush is my... Rush is my gold standard. No one will top it. I got to play with Neil somehow. <laughs> if we're staying on that same tier, Metallica. Um, in terms of just like like the goats up at the top, um, I'd really like to play uh, LDB um, down in the states. I think that'd just be a really fun time for us. Um, in terms of like a like a slightly less attainable but less than the top tier, I want to play with Biohazard. I I got a real soft spot for Biohazard. Really straight up. Cool. Biohazard. All right. Well, I'll I'll edit out the rush thing just to save your reputation oh my god <laughs> let me own my shame all right all right fair enough that's actually a great segue because i always love asking like what do you guys listen to that people could consider cringy or what do you consider a guilty pleasure what do you bump in that's shameful that somebody wouldn't expect that you listen to we'll do a one by one huh. uh we'll, we'll start with peter what's what you got in that closet of music shame um yeah i don't know i don't really feel like shame about any of it it's just like it's weird and unexpected probably like because i'm kind of all over like i i went to school for jazz so i listened to a fair amount of jazz um and also just uh, i'm trying to think about like weird <laughs> like unexpected stuff what, what do you um, get what do you get uh ripped on for do these guys rip on you for a band you like that they're like oh man i can't believe you listen to that uh i don't think so no if anything it's just like i'm probably a bit slower to catch on to like new bands coming up sometimes but but eventually i catch up <laughs> they're nodding <laughs> well i'll make fun of you that's for fine. listening to, to jazz that's, that's fine no i mean someone's i don't know like someone's got it <laughs> someone's yeah i don't know um i'll i'll, I'll think of something later and, and come back to you with that <laughs> I, i'm just kidding shout out to jazz it's got a lot of notes in it i don't know I don't mind it. It's just not, it's not my thing. It's all right. I think if I, okay, actually, I think if I played, uh, like, so the, the indie rock artists, pretty 
huge, I think, St. Vincent. Uh, if I played some of her music for people that had never heard her before, they'd be like, what the fuck is this alien music? Um, so maybe I'll, okay. I'll, I'll put that in there just because she has some really wacky um, like riffs or whatever that sounds silly, but it's fun. I will have to check her out. I'm super not into indie at all, but I'm always <laughs> down to listen to stuff. It's nothing wrong with checking out new music, right? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Kyle, you got something in that? Uh, you got something in that closet? Yeah, I have a I have a couple bands or <laughs> artists. Um, I think, like Peter said too, like I'm not really like ashamed or embarrassed, but it's definitely right. like different if you listen to Cohesion than like my Spotify library. Yes. Um, which I still listen to heavy music, of course, but like that I listen to like indie, like weird, like pop shit. Uh, like one of my favorite bands of all time is Arkells. I don't know if people from the heavy music scene think that's cringe or not. Don't First really two care. Albums of Arkells are fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and then aside from that, um, the newest record from Olivia Rodrigo fucking kicks ass. Well, it's her debut, so it's her only record, but still, um, she knows how to write a song, a pop song, so that's great. Um, and then honestly, there's a lot of random like indie and like pop songs from like TikTok that I can't get out of my head. Ooh, that and, is embarrassing. Yeah, well, it probably is. But <laughs> they're just like well-written songs. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. But yeah, stuff like that, um, just like aside from like, like I listen to that kind of music, I guess I would say when I'm like working, like I work from home and I'm right. always listening to music. So like, I'm not gonna be listening to hardcore or death metal like all the time. Of course not. Unless no, I'm like going for like, I like going for walks and listening to heavier music or working out or like driving. Yeah. But like, if I'm just working, I can't listen to heavy music. No, it's, it's too it's distracting. Mood, it's mood music, 100%. Yeah, of course. Know? I don't want anyone thinking I'm judging too hard. I listen to fucking emo and ska, okay? Yeah, the fuck Ooh, am I to judge? ska's bad. <laughs> Yo, what? Ska's sick, dude. I'm gonna get a ska band on. on pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> Alex, we got a ska fan? Oh, man, you got a ska fan in the house, absolutely. Um, yeah. That, like, my library is it, it's divided in chunks. I've got, like, I've got the heavy music chunk, I've got the stuff that I. Okay, how can I explain this? I've got the heavy music, I've got the white guy at a barbecue music and then i've got the um <laughs> stuff that you can kind of call like what some people call unexpected or like your your closet favorite or whatever so like some of those bands will cross over between those three lists um i have a major soft spot for dave matthews band um yeah, yeah carter <laughs> yeah. beauford what you they go. they're amazing oh my god <laughs> uh um, I used to work at a Starbucks in London and we were delivered a Dave Matthews band playlist from head office and my boss knew how much I loved Dave Matthews band. So he banned the playlist from the store. (laughs) Um, I am also going to heavily side with Peter. Um, Mass Seduction by St. Vincent is one of the coolest records I've heard in the last five years. Like untouchable, unbelievably cool record. Um, I have a, a playlist that I, I got this, I mean, I didn't get the idea, but my friend Andrew, um, who plays in the band Perfect Limbs, has a very similar playlist to this, and it's all um, female-fronted pop solo artists or pop bands from the years of, like, 97 through 2004. So it's, um, <laughs> off the top of my head, you got uh, Natalie Imbruglia, you got yes. Susan Vega, Alanis yes. Morissette, yes. Uh, Michelle yes. Branch, 
Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dido. I'm a massive oh. fan of Dido. <laughs> uh, so that is my that is my just vibes playlist. Like it's fun to play along to, but it's also like there's no other music that sounds like that. Like that that seven year gap is just a golden era of music. Yo, is there like Jan Arden on that playlist? But you know, there's Jan Arden on that playlist. Like, what am I, casual? I might have to sign up for Spotify now. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, I guess you took the list there, Alex. You got quite the bit. You know, I, I never judge anyone for liking pop music. I, it's All music is subjective. All music is cringy to some degree. Uh, pop music doesn't really get uh, ripped on that much. Ska, on the other hand, they, they, it takes a beating. Oh, my God. So the fact that you admitted to liking Ska... That's, uh, that's I got a whole work playlist that's just Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, Madness, um, Less Than Jake. And I know a lot of that people could be yeah. like, no, 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 it's it's not ska, it's punk with horns, especially it's stuff third, like Street. It's third wave street, shit. But yeah. It's third wave, yeah. yeah. So my one of my buddies, Mikey, um, was raised on two-tone specifically, like yes. that crossover where reggae started to turn into North American and British ska. So there's a lot of stuff from that era that I get exposed to that's like super cool stuff. I love that shit too. I love all the old rock steady. Like when reggae first started, get, you know, turning into ska and whatever. Fuck it. We're gonna get way too dorky with that. No, nobody who listens to this show is listening to ska. I, I hope. I hope. <laughs> I, asked, I asked this question too late though, because that's normally one of my enders. But I forgot to. I forgot to ask. So I'm gonna wrap back around. Where did you guys record this album? Because I know it was during a pandemic. So how did you guys get studio time? Did you? How did it happen? Just what was the recording process? Okay, so um, it was during the pandemic that we recorded it, yeah. but I mean, we didn't really like break any like restrictions for it, and we kind of had to separate uh, the recording sessions. We all couldn't be in the same room just because of like the law and just yeah, like yeah. staying safe and whatnot. Sure. So uh, Peter and Colin did guitars uh, like separately. And then Colin did the, Colin did the bass. Is that correct? I don't even know because I wasn't even there at the it same time. It was some time. Colin and some Vince, actually. Yeah, so some Vince, who's our producer, and then it was some Colin, and then um, Alex and I went in together to do drums and vocals. Um, and it was recorded by Vince Solivari, who's a super talented engineer uh, out of Hamilton. And he has a studio set up in this building. Um, I think Alex knows the name of it. I always forget what the name of it is. What if is it? I'm remembering correctly, it's called the Hamilton Dream Center, which yes. is like a multi-use sort of shared building with multiple applications. We were we shared a wall with a church that was actively in session, in service, while we were doing drums and vocals. And they didn't <laughs> say a thing the entire time, which I was super surprised by. Could you hear them? Only when I, no, like not at all. Like it, it doesn't show up in the mics or anything. And I couldn't hear them when we were tracking, but I'm always just super self-conscious. Like, like to get the drums for this record, like I'm hitting them hard. Like I'm, I'm playing sure. as hard as my body will allow me. And then the whole next day was just us screaming. So I would pop out of the room to like get changed into like my, my, my playing shorts. And then I look <laughs> in there and they're fully having like homilies and just talking at like normal speaking level unfazed by us recording this EP, which is impressive. I hope they could hear you. 
the, the walls were thin. They were, and also we had <laughs> sure they did. We had someone come from down the hall at the other end of the building saying, "Can you take a break from this for an hour? I got to be on Zoom calls, and there's bands playing all around me in these different units." <laughs> but then the church that was yes. ten feet away from us said nothing the entire time. So that's I don't even know what to make of that. That is interesting. It's very interesting. How did you guys get uh, the Brendan Murphy guest vocals uh, onto there? Did you guys know him or how did he get in the studio? Like, how did that all happen? I mean, we play in an Ontario hardcore band. Brendan Murphy's our bro. Ho, ho, ho. Like everyone else. <laughs> no. Uh, Got this man's on speed dial. It's Brendan Murphy. Like, come on. Exactly, man. Um, so the story with that is actually... Um, so like I said, we recorded with Vince in Hamilton. Uh, Brendan's also living in Hamilton. Um, and he actually record Brendan, like records with Vince for like guest vocal features he does for like other acts or just like any other thing he's working on when he just needs a local guy. So he was actually in the studio doing a guest feature for another band. And this was like a day after we did uh, the recording sessions for the EP. And then uh, Vince was just showing Brendan what he's working on. And then Brendan was like, oh, this is cool. And then uh, showed him like the specific like breakdown part of the song Final Wish. Mm-hmm. And then um, we talked to Vince about it. And then we're kind of just like, um, since he said it was sick, like, do you think he would like maybe want to sing on it? And then Vince is like, okay, I'll ask him. And then it turns out he was down. So we kind of set that up and he went to back to Vince and recorded his part and the rest is history. What's up? This is Kyle from Cohesion. You're listening to Final Wish on Not Just a Phase podcast.
but nothing down on me. Now in the silver bag's got more silver than bags. You best move on before he gets moved on. Okay, and we're back. So if you guys could see one band do a reunion show, who would it be and why? Just one, Alex, looking your way. Just one band. Oh, man, you're sizing me up for a big list here. No, you all get one. You can think about it. I'm going to I'm gonna have to think time. on this one. Oh, no. I'll add it up the wait time. I got time, but just one band. All right, you know what? I got one, and it's... I, I don't... I don't know how many people know of this band. There was a band that was on Rise Records in 2011 called Broadway. Um, when that band dissolved, uh, Jake, their drummer, went to go play in Memphis Mayfire, and Jack, their guitarist, went to go play in Sleeping With Sirens. Um, but they had originally formed that unit called Broadway, and they have an album called Kingdoms. Um, that is, like, that that rise record sound it's the perfect capture of that sound and it is an untouchable like 2011 metalcore album um it just it was my favorite album all the way through high school and they were on rise and i know they didn't do a whole whole lot and then broke up right after but if i could get a reunion of one band it would absolutely be that band interesting hmm uh yeah i'll jump in uh i saw them a couple times but would love to see them many many more times uh dillinger escape plan nice yeah um just one of my favorite bands one again a band that i got into like kind of early in high school um because they were already like kind of big at that point and like uh yeah just super super creative i actually like i didn't see them I hadn't seen them for years before like they broke up. So like, I kind of feel like I would need like a last show for like their like last record or two. Um, just cause I slept on whatever the, they came around the last. So yeah, Dillinger Escape Plan. Would love to see them again. Kyle's been thinking, he's got his thinking face. I've been thinking, um, fuck, I'm gonna, I know as soon as this is done, I'm gonna think of another band. <laughs> a better one. Um, <laughs> but since they're one of my like favorite bands of all time, definitely top three. Um, I would say Balance and Composure. I went to their final show in Philly, but um, I'm just waiting for them to inevitably announce a reunion show in the next like couple of years. Um, and then I'll definitely be there wherever it is. Um, <laughs> they're just, they're great. <laughs> So thanks for coming on the show, guys. Um, do you listen to podcasts by any chance? Any of you? Yeah, actually all the time. Um, I have a few uh, podcasts in my rotation, um, like based on my interests, like based on music and then like based on like some of my other interests that I just like listen to. Um, a couple, I want to shout out, uh, I'm going to say this wrong again, Bandidotes. With Phil Anecdotes. Paxson, Banecdotes. Yes. Fuck, Anecdotes. I'll get it right one day. Um, I actually just did an episode. <laughs> I did an episode with him uh, uh, it was last week, so mm. that was super cool. Um, you did great that guy. last week. When does that debut? Uh, like mid-August, I think. Shout out to Phil. I got him first, bud. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted hey. you to ask, so I could. I just wanted you to ask, so I could bully him. What's up, Phil? Exactly. But <laughs> thanks yeah. for listening. I like your show, dude. Yeah, his show's sick. Uh, that was sick uh, that I was able to go on that show. So definitely his podcast. Um, not just a phase as well. If you've ever heard of them, they're pretty cool. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> Scoped Exposure, 
out of Calgary. Um, that's that? an amazing podcast. Uh, they interview like, like bands from the hardcore scene as well as like labels and whatnot. Really? Um, they also do live sets uh, when shows are around. Um, they're in, yeah, they're in Calgary and they're just fucking awesome. Um, and then outside, I listen to like, I listen to like a stock podcast because like I'm an investor. And then uh, I listen to like a pop culture podcast, um, which is called, fuck, why can't I think of that right now? Mike on Much, the singer of Arkells is in it and like some other people that work like in the industry. So it's just like pop culture and shit. Cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, I listen to them. I listen to podcasts all the time, whether I'm driving, walking, working out or whatever. Damn. That's uh, right on. I, I don't listen to podcasts. That was, uh, I think that's the longest answer I've had for when I've asked that question. Yeah. Big that's podcast long. guy big pod guy uh peter you, you listen to podcasts or? yeah totally um my like the ones i listen to most are like i don't know i feel like kind of weird and not that relevant to anything we've talked about but that's okay um totally one, okay. <laughs> one is called 99 percent invisible it's about like design and engineering and architecture and art and stuff um and another one called Philosophize This. It's a philosophy podcast. There's a guy that just sounds like a really helpful philosophy teacher, <laughs> but it's really interesting. And he like breaks down like philosophers and stuff and their like major works and so on. Song Exploder. Most, I feel like a lot of like music nerds are probably onto that. Song Exploder. They had a show on Netflix too. It's basically like bands like taking apart a song of theirs like track by track or layer by layer and like here's how we wrote the guitars here's how we did the lyrics we structured the song and got this producer to remix it or whatever um so that's really cool and last one i'll mention i just like did kind of a dive into um the comedian tig notaro's podcast it's called don't ask tig and it's funny and like charming and she's just like her and another like famous ish like guests like giving advice and stuff um yeah that's about it that's quite a list as well Alex, <laughs> you also you also a big pod guy you got a big list there too or i'm not a huge podcast guy per se um i just don't often have a lot of time to listen to it just the, like the way my work schedule goes um, but when i met on the bike um I've I've dove in recently to the Downbeat podcast, which is done by Craig from Straight from the Path, um, mm. and that's got a lot to do with drums, but also has a, just a lot to do with just seeing stuff in general. Um, and I also yeah. really like his YouTube content, where he's like breaking down or doing reactions to drum videos while also breaking down what's going on. And he's always just breaking them down to be like, is this natural or is this triggered? And just making fun of guys that are triggering their drums while trying to pass them off as being natural, which is just very funny to me. Like kick um, triggers? Like the, the yeah, like, like, like kick triggers, but also triggering your toms and triggering your snare. Like there's this one Instagram drummer, and I don't know his name, but um, he broke down a bunch of his videos, and he's like, yeah, he's trying to vocally say that this is all natural while being sponsored by a drum sample manufacturer. Oh, nice. um, and then the big thing is that if you listen to something and you're not sure if it's triggered, play it on YouTube, play it at half speed, and you'll immediately know if that's triggered or not. So it's just like, yeah, calling out guys that are triggering everything, which is very funny to me. Speaking of triggers, since I haven't had this conversation, but since you're on the, the topic of it, 
remember in the early 2000s when every single metalcore band had every single kick pedal triggered for their double bass drums? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> because times, what happens is that times, you, you hit a <laughs> wall with your speed and then you realize, oh, I can trigger this and I'll just play softer but play faster and then it's going to even everything out. Um, and it's also guys that are doing it like not by the advice of a producer, but just doing it by themselves. So it's like, yeah, run this into a rolling module velocity at 100%. Um, and just, have, yeah, just oh, go to town because what you're talking about, it's <laughs> essentially, it's just band. like, like <laughs> plug in your bass drum with a trigger on it and then turn your sensitivity as high as it would go. And then turn the kick sample to the hardest hitting sample that there is. And it's like, cool, I don't need to try anymore. I can just tap as lightly as I want to and it sounds good. And then other drummers notice and go, oh, you're not playing amazing sounding drums. You're triggering your stuff out of stuff like Drumforge because you're so cool. Cool. Mm -hmm. I like when it goes... <laughs> the machine gun bass drum, yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I was getting at. But thank you yeah. for the in-depth explanation. That's actually really cool. I'm, I'm just a drum nerd. Uh, out, <laughs> outside of being a nerd about about drums, um, there's a, a true crime podcast I like called We Didn't Do It, where it's, it's just a couple of just stoners that break down like true crime, but also kind of make it funny. Cool. Um, so that's really cool. Um, I just recently got into Two Bears, One Cave, which is Tom Segura <laughs> and Burt Kreischer. Um, and I solely got into that off of a clip that I saw on Twitter of the show where um, Burt Kreischer is pouring a drink and Tom asks what he's pouring. And he's like, it's Kool-Aid. And yes, he thinks it's a, he thinks it's a bit. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I actually have an entire canteen of red Kool-Aid here. And that just, that sent me for yeah. like three days. So I just yeah. dove into that recently. Um, it's, yeah, I don't have a lot of time for it, but if I'm out on the bike doing a big run around the city, then I'll throw on usually two bears, one cave, and just have that playing in the background as background noise. Well, since you guys are all big podcast fans, thank you so much for coming on my show. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I had a really fun chat with you guys. I think this is going to be the longest episode I've actually done so far, to be completely honest. So on our our last round here, uh, you guys got any shout outs, causes, plugs, anything you want to talk about at all? Uh, the floor is yours. The mic is yours. Anything at uh, all? Yeah. Um, shout outs. Um, anyone who is involved in the Ontario heavy music scene, whether it be running a podcast, uh, being a promoter, putting on shows, being a fan and just coming out to shows in general, because that's what's really like driving this community to success and keeping it alive. Um, shout out to anyone just like using their voice on social media for any positive outlets, whether it be in the scene or any social causes. Um, that's awesome. And I'm just really excited for Cohesion to start playing shows. Like I said, we got a lot of shows coming up um, this fall throughout Ontario that you'll hear soon. Wish I could talk about it, but I can't or else I'll get yelled at. <laughs> um, there's like a show we're playing that, I, that our band members, like I couldn't even tell them. Like they don't even know who, who's on the lineup at all. They know it's going to be sick. So I'll, I'll see you there. My fat ass plans to get injured when shows come back. So I'm, I'm going. Well, up. that's like the show you'll definitely get injured at. Like if you're in the, if you're in the like general vicinity of like the crowd, you will probably be injured. I'm going to get injured just standing too long at a show to be honest. It's been so long. Yeah, honestly, straight up. But yeah, um, that's all I got. And uh, shout out any of the bands we talked about earlier. Shout out Reality Denied, Cold Shoulder, Single Wound, Die Alone, 
I'm probably forgetting a shit ton of other bands. Mile End, <laughs> Real World, all those bands want to rip shows with all y'all. So that's it. Cool. Peter? Yeah. Alex, somebody uh, some last words? <laughs> I, I don't know. You, you mentioned causes, and I was like the only, like the most recent thing I was thinking of was, uh, and this is like a whole heavy can of worms, but I'll just throw it in at the end. Indian Residential School Survivor Society irsss.ca um there's a whole lot about like cancel canada day the last like july 1st and then like we're i don't know two three weeks into july and it's like off social media now so i'll just put it back out there for everyone to keep thinking about that stuff because it's important yeah Yeah, people seem to get really upset in the moment and then completely forget about it next week these things tend to happen unfortunately yeah it's um you know, it's, it's good when there's sort of a, a blossoming of concern, but it's important agreed. to keep that stuff going. So Agreed. Agreed. Completely agreed. Yeah. Alex, uh, on our final words, any shout-outs, causes? Um, the next time you have some spare time, if you're listening to this podcast, um, do something nice for someone less fortunate. Um, because of where we live in Toronto, we every day... Um, see mistreatment uh, of people on the streets, mistreatment of people that are just trying to survive uh, in a city that is way too expensive for someone that even works full-time to survive in, Um, especially by the Toronto police, um, the mayor, and the entire city organization. They would rather not take care of the problem. They would rather sweep it under the rug and make sure they're appeasing people that are higher bidders in the city. Um, make a hot meal for someone less fortunate, donate to your local homeless shelter, um, supply um, goods and supplies to someone building tiny shelters and help in that cause if you can. Uh, We're all in this together. Thank you for mentioning that. Uh, Since we're on that topic, as opposed to sweeping the problem under the rug, fuck hobo spikes. Fuck whoever invested those. Fuck whoever invented them. Fuck that. That is disgusting and it makes me sick. For real. So, yeah. Your local government could use resources to rehouse people that don't have homes or feed the hungry, but instead they're using those resources to actively oppress people that are in a situation they don't want to be in. So the only person left to do something is you. Absolutely disgusting. On a positive note, which I'll try to end on, this has been a pleasure, guys. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I am excited to see you guys play a show very soon and hopefully have you back on sometime in the future. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah, man. Thank Thank you you for having us.